His name is Lyle Presler, punk rock legend and music industry vet. His name is Jim Shear, most tenured DJ in the history of music television. It's the week in music with Lyle and Jim, and it all starts now. Hello, everybody. My name is Jim Shear. And I'm Lyle Presler. And on today's episode, Lady Gaga gets her football on, the Red Hot Chili Peppers get their football on, Kanye West gets his Instagram on, another member of ACDC retires, but before all of that, let's talk about Prince. In April, Prince died at the age of 57. Six months later, his Minneapolis estate, Paisley Park, is being turned into a museum. Tours can be booked as early as October 6th. Ooh. That's a couple weeks away. Wow. Tickets are $38.50 for general admission and $100 for a VIP tour. Now, apparently, Lyle, Prince left detailed notes on how he wanted Paisley Park to be presented to the public. Hmm. Un- unfortunately, though, he didn't do the same with his business affairs as that whole mess is still being sorted out. Hmm. Can you believe six months after the fact, you can go to Paisley Park? Yeah, that's really weird. I think, first of all, I think you'd have a lot of sawdust on the floor, you know? Yeah. Um, but but the, it's interesting that you point out like that he made such a big deal about that and not such a big deal about his, you know, his monies and stuff. And he had many monies. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, but I think that speaks to who he was. I think that mm-hmm. I think his legacy and his interface with the public was far more important to him than mm-hmm. his family or you know his heirs and successors, as they say. I, I think that's an interesting insight into what he you know his attitude about life. Because I read something where he said, "Yeah, this is where I want the timeline to go." That would document my history. So he had it plotted out when he would walk through Paisley Park. Wow. It's like, yeah, I want maybe the snack bar here. We can have the gift shop here. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. And now, now so, let me ask you this. Is there any evidence that he had the intention of opening that before he died? I don't know. Well, that's an interesting question. Like, I mean, in other words, if he had already laid plans like, hey, in two years, I'm going to put this together... Then I would say like okay, would, but it doesn't I look that say, way. I want to say no. Yeah, it doesn't look that way because he would have concerts there, right. And pancake parties at Paisley Park, so he probably intended on doing that until he passed, right. And then when he left this great earth, then he said, "Yeah, turn it into a museum." Right. I think you're right. I think that's that's the evidence is there for that. When I first heard the story, it kind of bothered me, but then when I read that he wanted it to be open to the public, I thought, okay. That's cool. If you can turn it around in six months, great. Well, and let's and it, let's see how well it's managed too, because that's always that's the true. Yeah, yeah. It could turn so, into a dump, you know. It could, yeah. So hopefully, it's it's done right. Now this weekend, also in Minnesota, the Vikings unveiled their brand new football venue, U.S. Bank Stadium, and during halftime, the Minnesota Orchestra and the gospel group, the Steels, not to be confused with the Steelers performed Purple Rain. And in a pretty cool coincidence, the Vikings were playing the Packers, and the first official touchdown scored in the new stadium was a pass thrown by Green Bay Packers Aaron Rodgers to Jordy Nelson. You get it? Rodgers Nelson? Prince's birth name is Prince 
Rogers Nelson. I, I, that's just one of those incredible things. I was talking to someone about it. <laughs> well, now, 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 Sting would tell us that's synchronicity, right? I mean, he would say <laughs> that there are what is it in, interconnecting principles? You know that whole thing. And and I mean, if you believe in that stuff, I guess this is a good example of it. I I tend to think of it as being one of those, you know, big coincidences. You know. Um, from Seinfeld, there are no big coincidences. There are only coincidences. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, but that just shows you how weird the world is, you know. Because that's a that's a freaky thing to me. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, I mean, Aaron Rodgers has thrown a lot of touchdown passes to Jordy Nelson, so mm-hmm. it's not yeah. it's not out of the blue. Now, if there was a first year guy you know, some third-string wide receiver who caught the ball, then I'd be even more like, whoa. Mm-hmm. So, but still, I mean, that's that's pretty cool stuff. I like it. I don't know if it's true, but I read that some Vikings fans were cheering when <laughs> Nelson scored the touchdown just because of the cool coincidence. Well, that that would, I mean, I would be, ing- I would admire those fans if they had thought that through from the beginning. That's pretty cool. <laughs> So, in related NFL news, because Lyle loves it, uh, it's been confirmed by a source. Now, in 2016, that could really mean anything. Uh, It's been confirmed by a source that Lady Gaga will be performing the Super Bowl halftime show. You may remember she sang the national anthem at this year's Super Bowl and did a a fantastic job. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lady Gaga's new album, Joanne, comes out on October 21st. Lyle, it is an election year. Lady Gaga has a new album coming out. She likes to push buttons. Will she say or do something that agitates the NFL before Super Bowl 51 in Houston, Texas? Well, but I don't know. But, I mean, the election will be over. You know? The, yeah, you know, yeah. The president will be in place. Exactly. So now... but So now, she might have something to say about that. She might, but, like, she won't... I mean... By that point, what the president will? Well, actually, when does the president officially like start their duties? Isn't it? It's late January, right? Oh, okay. So there you go. So that that might so work. It's right around inauguration yeah. time. So okay. So that might work. That there might be something there, but mm-hmm. you know, and I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to speculate as to Lady Gaga's political affiliation. But if if I had to. <laughs> I I would probably figure she's more of a Hillary person than a Trump person. You would you would think you would think, but then again, you never know because I've mm-hmm. have been surprised on occasion. So um, yeah, so that well that'd be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, I don't know. You know, I don't know whether she. I don't know what game she's playing now. You know, I mean, she took all that time off, did all that stuff with Tony Bennett. You know, mm-hmm. which was I guess fine if you like that stuff. Um. But you know, so she's she may be wanting to reingratiate herself to her pop fans. I don't, you know, I have no idea. Or maybe she just keeps her mouth shut yeah. until the Super Bowl halftime show and lets it fly. Then it could be. She knows the game, so I'm sure she's going to play it well. Yep. And uh, if she does say something, I would imagine that the NFL would just have Bruno Mars do the halftime show again. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Uh, more NFL, Lyle. Oh, great. Uh, <laughs> Listen, I'm a fan of the Washington Redskins. I wanted to talk to you because I, that was horrifying to me 
that the Steelers beat the Redskins. And, and because I don't like Ben Roethlisberger at all. And I don't well, like yeah. Mike Tomlin at all. When he tripped that guy, I thought he should have been thrown out of the league. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I've never like. I understand. I've never. I, I I I can't stand the way that t- those fans travel to every stadium. Reminds me of the old cowboy fans. Oh, we're, all we're the, dedicated. Uh, yeah, dedicated. You're fanatical, it's love, man. Oh, oh. Listen, I, I as you know, I saw I saw the last of the four Super Bowls in the '70s at at the Rose Bowl. I, I know. I saw them beat I the know Rams. You did. Yeah, and this I was. Is, and this, Lyle, this is a Ram story. I know. Let's let's Wait, have, let's roll it. Did you ever go to a Rams game besides that Super Bowl? I didn't they play at the Angels Stadium in Anaheim? Yeah, at some point. I I never went to a home game, but I'm I'm sure I saw the Rams play the Redskins in DC at some point. Okay. Because so, I saw so many games. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we talked about this a few weeks ago. So on Sunday, the NFL returned to the city of Los Angeles for the first time in 22 years. Mm. The Los Angeles Rams defeated the Seattle Seahawks 9-3. And I don't know if you caught this, but the Red Hot Chili Peppers performed a pregame set on the Coliseum turf. They performed Can't Stop and Dark Necessities, and they were dressed in those classic blue and school bus yellow Rams uniforms. I did see a video of it. I mean, it was a primitive that's a, video. That's a fun way to kick off the, the football, right? Well, I agree. And it's occurred to me that if you look at San Francisco and Los Angeles, I mean, you get Metallica. Yes. You get the Red Hot Chili Peppers. It's like the only part of the country where you're going to get like real rock and roll. Everywhere mm-hmm. else, it's like, oh, card in a pop singer. You know, here we go. We're going to have, you know, we're going to have somebody do the halftime thing or whatever. These, you know, out there, they seem to be still into this. Mm-hmm. I saw a yeah. I saw a wonderful like chart at one point that showed every NFL city and like what the most popular artist was in those cities, and it was really interesting. And I'm not sure how they came up with this, but but it was interesting. You could see sort of the rock and roll cities, the R and B cities, the rap cities, and the country cities. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and it was it was interesting. I mean, it, it sort of more or less fell along the lines that you would think it would. Hmm. But that's cool. I mean, I'm glad they did that. That that, and I, I think it, it to me, it at least from the primitive video I saw, it seemed to be pretty good. Yeah, it was just you know they had a, a little stage set up in the one end zone and they played two songs before the game started. Yeah. And uh, Anthony Kiedis was shirtless <laughs> in his yellow football pants. Now I bring up this Red Hot Chili Pepper story because they have announced dates for an arena tour in 2017. Kicks off January 5th in San Antonio and wraps up March 18th in Vancouver. Lyle, if you're interested, they play MSG on February 15th. So Mm. I wanted to ask you, Mm. if you could go to any show on this tour, would you go earlier or later? When would they be the best? In the middle. In the middle. In the middle, definitely. Okay. I mean, so MSG, you, February 15th. Yeah, you, I mean, you could argue go to the, the, the early shows because they're like, you know, they're just champing at the bit. They're ready to go. They got all the energy going. And you could also argue that by the end of the tour, they're like, yeah, enough of this. But, and I'm not saying that's true because, I mean, some of these folks, you know, they're, they got a lot of energy. They, they do their show and they do it, this, you know, they do it every night. But if you wanted, if you were trying to, you know, hedge your bets or whatever, I'd say the middle of the tour is the best time to go. They've worked out any kinks that were in yeah. it and they're, they're in the groove, so to speak. I think you're right. And keep in mind, they are in their 50s. Mm-hmm. So by the end of the tour, maybe their neck is sore. Yep. Maybe they twisted an ankle or two. Mm-hmm. 
So February 15th at MSG, that might be the night to see them. All right. We could go on a, a post-Valentine's Day date, Lyle, me and you. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> That'll be the best thing so, I do all year. <laughs> on Saturday, breaking news, everybody. Kanye West joined Instagram. So, Lyle, is your inner millennial texting smiley face emojis to your inner millennial friends? Oh, my God. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I don't... Okay, there's two things about this. First of all, I'm surprised he wasn't on it to begin with. Okay, I mean, that's right. the first thing. And the second mm-hmm. thing is, this is news? This is news. It's huge news. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's not like, you know, David Letterman's moving from NBC to CBS. I mean, or CBS <laughs> to NBC or whatever it was. I mean, come on. It's like, like I said, I, I found it very difficult to believe that he wasn't already on Instagram. He wasn't. Well, so you that, know, that's why it's news. So this opens up a whole new venue for his, whatever his thing is. Yes, there yeah. you go. All right, well, I'm going to uh, start following him then. He's only posted one picture, but he's already amassed over one million followers. Well, of course he has. I mean, yeah. you know, absolutely. Now, speaking of Kanye, I've been hearing good things about his Life of Pablo tour, how his stage hovers over the crowd. How the the crowd is part of his show? Have you heard anything? I've I've, I've heard very much the same things. It, it seems like a really cool thing to do. I think you know, wasn't it Tommy Lee who had the uh, drum set that flew out over mm-hmm. over the crowd? That yeah, was, it was I, spin I, around. Yeah, I think I saw that show. That was a good show. So I think anytime you hover, it's probably pretty cool. And because I, th- I think it, it swung through MSG, so we've missed it. Oh. And our buddy Jeremy Shatton attended. Ah, and he he wrote a nice little blog post about oh, it. Oh, cool! Oh, he he totally backs Kanye a hundred percent. Okay, good. I back Kanye like seventy two percent. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's a good range to be in. It leaves a mar <laughs> it leaves a margin for disliking the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I did like to hear that uh, he's playing his hits on tour. Oh, that's good. That's definitely and if good. I guess I heard I also heard that. If the crowd doesn't start to sing in unison, that he'll start the song over, Ooh. just so everyone's on the same page. Ah, so it's it's very crowd friendly. That that no, that sounds good. I mean, it it. Yeah. I think it's a good move for him to not be that guy who's so obscure up there, sort of in his own like world, and you're mm-hmm. sort of looking in on his world. I, I think it's great that he'd come out and sort of engage people because I think that's I think that's a really good move. Yeah. So after everything I read. I kind of want to see the show now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of Instagram, <laughs> overshadowed by the fact that Kanye joined, Gorillas recently joined Instagram. I think that would A be, history of their... I, now, what's that? Wouldn't that be significantly overshadowed? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, a history of their timeline has been posted on the site. See, I love the artwork uh-huh. of the Gorillas. I, I love the music, too. So this makes sense to me. Like when Glenny Friedman joined Instagram, it just makes sense. Right. So uh, apparently, Gorillaz, and that's Damon Albarn, and Jamie Hewlett does the artwork, uh, they're working on a new album. Mm-hmm. It's been said that De La Soul and Snoop Dogg have done sessions with Albarn. Mm. Uh, and it still makes me chuckle that Gorillaz have sold more albums in the United States of America than Blur. Why does that make you chuckle? It's a side project. Yeah, Where, when I, they perform live, you don't even see Albarn's face. 
Yeah, that's true. That's true. But then Gorillas has always been a much more sort of radio friendly right thing. I mean, aside from woohoo, I mean, you know, besides that, it's like I couldn't. I probably could go to a person in the street and ask them, "Can you name two Blur songs?" and they couldn't do it. But that and same they could name you tor- two Gorillas songs. They might be able to. They, they could they'd do be it. More yeah. likely, yeah, yeah. What do you think the Gallagher brothers think of that stat? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. I I can only imagine a string of, you know, violent <laughs> violent cussing coming from them. In 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 Cartoon. you know, yeah, and in and, 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 and also like words that Americans don't understand that <laughs> point to certain body parts and what you can do with them. All right, so uh, we're going to take a break, and right now I'm going to play you the world's happiest song, and when we come back, I will tell you why. Don't stop me now. Don't stop me. Because I'm having a good time, having a good time. I'm a shooting star leaping through the sky like a tiger defying the laws of gravity. I'm a racing car. Hey everybody, Jim Shear and Lyle Presler on the Week in Music. That was Queen's Don't Stop Me Now. And did you know, Lyle, that is the happiest song on planet Earth. Really? It's been it's been proven. Even even Cognitive? more than happy? <laughs> <laughs> well, this year, yeah. So uh cognitive neuroscientist Dr. Jacob Jolidge, mm-hmm. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. I believe he's uh, he's Dutch. Uh, he commissioned a survey revealing that Queen's Don't Stop Me Now is the happiest song in the world. The survey polled 2,000 people. Dr. Jolidge found that the most important elements of a happy song are lyrics, musical key, and tempo. A BPM of 150 makes people feel energized. Mm-hmm. That was the world's happiest song. We should feel good about life right now. Yeah, absolutely. I feel good. I feel yeah. really good. It's the 150 that makes me feel good. Now, 148, <laughs> and I, I would be like, right. yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> and if you're wondering, this survey, I believe, was done in Britain. Okay. Because I think Dr. Jolich teamed up with uh, a British electronic band, and they did the uh, the survey in Britain. So that's probably why that song from Queen is the happiest in the world. Well, Maybe I, if they did the, the survey in the U.S., it would be happy from Pharrell Williams. Well, it could be. I don't know. I mean, I, I love that kind of stuff. I love the song. I don't think it means it. It's always interesting. I don't think it means anything. I mean, I think if you went out, and I'm sure people do, you went out and set about trying to to, to write to those criteria, mm-hmm. uh, I think you'd, you'd probably fail more times than you'd succeed. Just like, right. just like if you didn't try, you know what I mean? I, I mean, mm-hmm. I think yeah. you'd be roughly equal, but it is interesting to me to look at the physiology of the brain and the way we respond to things. And, and there've been a lot of these kinds of studies because the technology has enabled us to really look inside and see how certain centers of the brain are reacting to certain stimuli. 
So I always find it interesting when they, because the, music is, of course, the universal language, right? So the mm-hmm. great thing about studying music, if you're a brain researcher, is that you're not, it, it's, it's not visual, so it's not based on symbolic understanding, and it's not verbal, except for maybe lyrics. Um, mm-hmm. And so therefore, you can actually look across different cultures and, and different groups of people, and you can find out things about their brains. Because ultimately, this isn't about music, it's about brain. I mean, that's, you know, he's, yeah. he's doing it not to necessarily, he's doing it to further research about the way we process. Yeah, I want Dr. Jolich to do a brain scan on someone who listens to this show. <laughs> do they feel happy? Do they feel sad? Are they being line. informed? It's just a flat. <laughs> there's a, you know, there's a graph, and it's just like, <laughs> which is okay. Oh, and by it's the okay. way, uh, yeah, uh, apologies to everyone that, that we didn't have a show last week. That's because you're a jerk. Yeah, I I got caught up in some stuff. <laughs> So, you know, the thing is, if we did this professionally, we would have a show every week. Yeah, but you know what? If we did this professionally, then I would have had to have uh, Governor Chris Christie on as my yeah, sidekick. Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah. Like, like another, <laughs> like a, a morning show here in New York has done. <laughs> to, to, um, to, hey, definitely Lyle. trying to piss off everybody in New Jersey. I mean, just like we want to mm-hmm. alienate as many people as we possibly can in the Garden State. <laughs> hey, Lyle, I have a question for you. Sure. Have you seen the trailer for the new Clash movie? I have. London Town, starring Jonathan Rhys Myers. What do you think? I thought I thought the trailer looked great. I th- okay, I really did. I thought it was great. I mean, you know, obviously, so people understand who don't know about the, the movie. It's really a coming of age story for mm-hmm. two young people, um, but it's set in in nineteen seventy nine, and it's set in the Clash era. And the Clash play a role in it, obviously, and there's interaction. And I'm not sure exactly from the trailer and what I've read exactly how that interaction works, but it seems to be that the young man falls for the Clash in a big, big way. And I, I love these kind of stories. I mean, we were sort of marginally involved in the movie SLC Punk, which was, uh, I mean, when I say involved, not in making it, but our music was featured prominently in it. And mm-hmm. and that was a coming of age uh, for sort of punky kind of American Salt Lake City folks, um, but uh, and and it wasn't the greatest movie in the world, but it wasn't bad either. And so I'm I'm really eager to see this movie. I think it looks like it could be really good. The only thing that scared me was when I read that it hits theaters on October seventh, and on the same day you can watch it on video on demand. Yeah. Well. Yeah, but then again, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I don't know the the sort of financial structure of that. I don't really understand. I mean, you know, there's so much. There's so much. Like we talked about the VMAs and the fact that the rating, the linear rating, linear. By the way, for those of you who don't understand, is you actually sit down in front of the TV set at eight o'clock and you watch it as it's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to nonlinear, which is that you watched it, either you DVR'd it or you watched it online or you watched snippets of it. But in the VMA's case, the, the linear rating was way, way down. But then the social rating and the other ratings were way, way up. Mm-hmm. So I don't. So I think everyone in the entertainment industry is sort of recalibrating their expectations for what release means. You know, yeah. Um, but I agree with you. I kind of like the big movie releases. Yeah, it, it doesn't feel as big and important to me if it's coming out on VOD. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not that they got smaller; it's the pictures got smaller, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know. But that—that's the truth. I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I really, I like the old school way of like, hey, let's 
build this thing up and then put it out there. Yeah. And you can only see it if you go into a theater, which I'm sorry, everybody who's into home viewing, it, the theater experience is still the greatest. It's just like a mm-hmm. concert. Like I can watch a concert on my computer. I get no impact from it. I mean, it's an, mm-hmm. it can be enjoyable, but I get nothing from it. It's not like being there. Yep. Did you ever meet anyone from The Clash? No. No. Okay. No. Yeah, I had a chance to meet Joe Strummer once, but like an idiot, I didn't do so. Yeah, I mean, he seemed like an incredibly fascinating guy. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, knowing a little bit about his history and his growing up, I, I just, it's, he's a really interesting guy. So he, I was working for MTV2 back in the early two, I guess mid-2000s, mm-hmm. early to mid-2000s. And he had a show on called Global Boombox. Yes. So he would drive around New York City and just do video reads. Mm. And he did the first one. And they said, all right, we're going to pick it up. And I thought, okay. And I remember on the the first episode, I thought I could go down and I could meet Joe Strummer. I'm like, yeah, I'll wait. And I thought, if he's going to be part of the MTV2 team, I'll meet him eventually. And then I, I would say within that year, he died. Right, right. So I was like, ah. Yeah. So, yeah. So if you have a chance to meet your musical heroes... Do so. Or, yeah, but do so at your own risk. Y- yes, exactly. As, as anybody who's met me knows. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of movies, it's been reported that Jared Leto is going to portray Andy Warhol in a biopic. Mm. Do you like that? I could see that. Yeah, yeah Jared Leto yeah. is Andy Warhol. I mean, I, I, think he's, I think he's enough of a chameleon as an actor. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think he could pull it off, yeah. Yeah, he'll he'll get into it. Yeah, yeah. Him and Will Smith didn't have a good time on Suicide Squad. Although, yeah, well, I, it sounds to me like nobody had a good time on Suicide Squad. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what was going on there, but boy, for all the trouble it made, I hope those people made some decent money off of it. Yeah, yeah. They had that that first big weekend. Mm-hmm. So, everyone, you can call me a prophet of Lyle because last week for the show at the Forum in Los Angeles, prophets of rage brought out Dave Grohl to cover MC5's Kick Out the Jams, a song that was also covered on the Rage Against the Machine album, Renegades. So well, it was like uh, two weeks ago. Mm. I said, Lyle, you should do In My Eyes with Prophets of Rage. Yeah. So I think the, I think the phone call's coming soon. Well, first of all, there's a pretty damn big difference between Dave Grohl and me. I mean, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a pretty big difference. And second of all, I think as I told you, and I'm pretty sure about this, and I, I'm, I'm pretty damn sure about this, is that... You know, Tom Morello, bless his heart, and I, I, his guitar playing is fantastic, and he did a, a wonderful job within my eyes. I don't think he was the motivator behind doing that song. I think that was Zach. So, but the, the hope behind this is that now they're reaching into that Renegades catalog. Well, yeah. I mean, listen, if I get the call, I'll, I'll have to relearn the song. <laughs> okay. But I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll do my level best. Now, speaking of musicians wearing Kaepernick jerseys, did mm. you see the latest picture of Prophets of Rage? No. Every member wearing a Kaepernick jersey with their fists in the air. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it also kind of matches their stage colors, yeah, well, which are red and black. Well, that's convenient then, isn't it? Yeah. I, I still, I'm still watching these videos, and they need a director. They should have brought... I, I could be their band director. Because Dave Grohl's playing with Tom Morello, and he's singing Kick Out the Jams, and Chuck D and Be Real are still on the stage just kind of awkwardly Stand. throwing their arms in the air. Right. So I, I need to say, no, when when we're doing Kick Out the Jams, you go to the back, and they do rap a little bit at the end, mm-hmm. and I say, when you come out and rap, then you come out on stage. Yeah, but, I think that makes sense. 
I could see it that. Is. Yeah, well, you know, but sometimes these things are sort of more or less last minute kind of things. Yeah, I yeah, I sh- I should be their choreographer. I mean, I don't think Dave Grohl would have any problem. Like, he probably knows "Kick Out the Jams" backwards and forwards, and has never forgot. He probably learned it years ago and has never forgotten it. You know, my biggest problem was always like I'd learn songs like that, but if you asked me two months later, I'd be like, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember how to play that. So, uh, this next story made me feel good. Eight days before its twentieth birthday, Weezer's Pinkerton was certified platinum. So congratulations to Weezer. Uh, you may remember when the album came out, it was misunderstood, didn't do so well commercially. Uh, the band broke up or they went on an extended hiatus, whatever your take on the matter is, after they got back from tour. So years later, it was considered one of the touchstone albums that is credited for popularizing emo rock. Mm. So did, did you like Pinkerton when it came out? Um, Not really. Uh, okay. maybe I misunderstood it as well. I, but you know, the one thing that I would say is that, um, people don't really understand that it is incredibly difficult once you've, st- if you've staked a claim to musical territory the way they did, right? Mm-hmm. Out of the box. It's very difficult to come back and, and, and sort of, you know, there's your own feeling like, I don't want to do the same thing. I want to do something different. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's the pressure that comes with coming back into it again, and there's there's enormous amounts of like there's enormous amount of input now that didn't exist, okay, um, mm-hmm. and not to mention the fact that you may have to write songs on a much different schedule than you did initially. Um, yep. you know you're you're it's not like I mean the songs on Weezer's first record were had been kicking around for a long time. I mean, these were... And they were playing them live for years. Yeah, absolutely. And so there's a different dynamic when all of a sudden you're saying, okay, for my second album, my third album, my fourth album, what, I, I'm on a schedule now. Uh, now, mm-hmm. if you're big enough, you can just say to the record company, you know, screw you, I'm on my own schedule. If I want to take 10 years, I'll take 10 years. But you have to understand there are, there are significant downsides to doing that. Or there may be. Um, mm-hmm. So you're under a lot of pressure, and, and I think that I think that I was willing to give that record a wide berth, you know, because mm-hmm. it was sort of like, okay, well they're doing something a little different here, and um, you know, as far as spawning the emo thing, I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It depends on your perspective. So yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm happy to say that I was a fan of both Paul's Boutique and Pinkerton right as they came out. Well, then you were a visionary, or I was clueless. No, I think you were probably a visionary. Because I would I I liked the Beastie Boys and I liked Weezer. And I thought, yeah, I like this. I don't care that it's a little different. Well, I and mean, I think that and, that's also what separates a real fan from just a person who just digests music to some extent. And I don't I, right. and I don't want to be too critical about this, but you know. There, there are people who have been willing to absorb really subpar record after record from artists, but because <laughs> because they really loved the artist and believed in them, they've stuck it through. You know, they've kept going. Yeah. So before you call me a visionary, I also love Alio Iolio, the Beastie Boys eight song punk album. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> you can't win them all. Right. So a few weeks ago, we were talking about. A black flag T-shirt. Mm, yeah. How, now, how much was it being sold for? I think it was three hundred plus. Three, yeah, like three hundred twenty, three hundred forty dollars, yeah, something like that. Yeah. 
So this week, front woman of Against Me, Laura Jane Grace, caught wind of a store called Top Shop selling an Against Me leather jacket for $700. Whoa. She tweeted, hey, Top Shop, you're selling a $700 leather jacket with my band's name on it, and you don't have permission. Whoa. Not cool. So the store has since removed the jacket from their website, and they're going to pull jackets from their retail stores. Hmm. Uh, why didn't they just ask? Um, well, you know, there's Black that, Flag said yes. Well, there's a yeah, but that's sort of crazy. But um, but there's a you know an old maxim: it's easier to ask forgiveness than it is to ask permission, right? Right. Um, you know, it's interesting if you go into some of the more uh, down market malls in America, you can go into these stores that are like I you know I don't really even understand what they are. They sell sort of hip and cool clothing at cut rate. Mm-hmm. And you see all sorts of like bands and logos and stuff. And I'm I'm always curious. So I go over and kind of look at the stuff and go like, who's this company making this? And is there any like trademark information on it? And a lot of times there isn't, which leads me to believe that, mm-hmm. that the, the attitude of, and I've heard, now I have heard this from people in the business, that a lot of the attitude of these clothing manufacturers is like, you know what? We're going to try to sell a few things, put the name on there, put it out. We'll wait and see if we get a cease and desist. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's the way they operate. Because one time on TV, I wore a KRS-One shirt, and I got a call at my office, and they said, oh, th- this is uh, someone from KRS-One's camp. And I was excited. I was like, oh, wow, Like the, the Blastmaster is reaching out to me. Right. Where did you get that shirt? And I said, oh. I'm like, I bought it at a store called YRB. And they're like, okay. I was like, oh, that's all they wanted. They didn't want to talk to me. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, well, they it, found it, out about yeah, they but they found out about the shirt because I, I wore it on TV. Oh, listen, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've seen people wearing wearing shirts, especially you know maybe going back five ten years, and I'd be like bootleg, 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 <laughs> bootleg, and and I mean and 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 like Michael Stipe, you know, Eddie Vedder wore a shirt that was a bootleg. I mean, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. at least I think it was. I mean, it's kind of hard to tell because they use the same artwork. They just recycle the artwork over and over and over again. So, mm-hmm. you know, and it doesn't, I mean, that didn't bother me particularly because it's like, you know, so, I mean, you know, it's out there, so you can't really worry about it too much. You're just happy that they're wearing the shirt. You know, that's cool. Um, but in the case of a $700 leather jacket, yeah, I don't think that I'd really yeah. want to put up with that. Yeah. And it's not about money, by the way, guys. I mean, like, it's really not. And because the money generated, even if it was licensed, probably would be negligible. Okay. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's not like, you know, Against Me was going to get half the cost of the jacket um, Mm -hmm. if they had indeed licensed it. So it would have been a small amount of money, considering that I can't imagine how many people are going to pay $700 for an Against Me leather jacket. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, and no, that's no offense to anybody. It's just an observation right. that people just don't do that. So it's not really about the money. It's more about like, hey, you know what? You're out there pe- using my name to peddle your product, and and I don't feel comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. And uh, our final news story, following in the footsteps of Brian Johnson, ACDC bassist Cliff Williams has announced his retirement, saying it's time for me to step out, and that's all. Wow. William said it had nothing to do with Malcolm Filibrine. He says it's time. He wants to hang out with his family, chill out, and not do this. Hmm. Hmm. So who do they? It's it's Malcolm now, right? I guess so. I mean, it's it's interesting because 
I always felt that he was one of the luckiest people in the world. <laughs> like, well, he he also said that in his quote. Oh, okay. Well, good for him. Yeah. Because I mean, seriously, like, I, and and I'm, I mean, I love ACDC. So I, I mean, I I love them, and 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 I have no issue. But honest to God, I mean, I could go out right now to School of Rock and find ten people who could step in and play bass for for for, for ACDC. I mean, and and it's not that's not a dig on him. It's just that what he was doing, what he was asked to do was mm-hmm. like fairly simple stuff. I mean, we're not talking about replacing, you know, John Mayer or something. You know, it's just not the same thing, which is fine. I mean, that's, and I, I'm one to talk, right? But, but what I'm saying is, man, he was, he, he rode that wonderful, lucky wave for quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure, and you know what? I totally understand at a certain point going, you know, this is just, uh, it, that's good. I've done enough. I mean, they've mm-hmm. done, they've done everything you could do. Everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't think of anything else that they would need to do. So it's not like they need any more money. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Cliff Will- well, Cliff Williams, we wish you well. Enjoy your and retirement. It is, yeah. Yeah. It is time now for birthdays. Ah, uh, yes. We have some interesting birthdays today. Jason Derulo is 27 years old. Uh, country and pop star Faith Hill is 49. Leonard Cohen, the famous songwriter, is 82 years old today. Don Felder, the sort of forgotten eagle, uh, Mm -hmm. is 69. Uh, Wale is 32 today. A lot of birthdays today. Yeah, and the aforementioned Liam Gallagher is 44. Probably going. He's only forty four. Forty four. Probably going on seventy four. Wow. Okay. I mean, you know, he's a, they're all curmudgeons. You know, he's only goddamn kids. So wait, yesterday he was forty three. Yep. So yesterday he was only two years older than me. I think so. It's crazy to think. Yeah, about. it's it's interesting because I I thought that Rob Zombie was a couple years older than me, <laughs> and he's not. He's a couple years younger than me. Um, okay. which was surprising to me. Not No offense, Rob. I mean, you know I love you, but I just sort of thought you were older, but you're not. <laughs> and that's why he's saying, you know, 1965, because that's when he was born, you know. <laughs> so I should have picked up on that. And the, the final thing I would say is, and this is not a musician, but it's important, the actor and comedian from Full House, Dave Coulier, yeah. He's 57 years old. And the reason I bring this up is that God bless Dave Coulier, because if it hadn't been for him, we mm-hmm. wouldn't have Alanis Morissette song, famous song, right? Because You Ought to Know. You Ought to Know is a breakup song reportedly about him. Yeah. So Dave, if they never went on a date to that movie theater, we wouldn't have that classic lyric. That's right. And the other thing that's interesting, it's like talking about misunderstanding. I assumed he was Canadian. <laughs> But he's not. He was born in Michigan, which is close to Canada. I mean, mind you. What? Why did I think he was Canadian? Everybody thought he was Canadian. Cause he, but I guess it makes sense because he always wore that he wore, Red Wings jersey. He wore hockey jerseys and he talked like a Canadian. <laughs> and he, He's from Michigan? And, well, you know what? Michigan is close well, to Canada. Well, it's close. But in, and also yeah. the fact that he was with Alanis Morissette, you just sort of assumed. Yeah. <laughs> Those wow. are your birthdays for today. And on Friday, everybody, Bruce Springsteen celebrates his 67th birthday. That blows my mind. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the fact that he's out there doing those, like we talked about those marathon Four shows. Four-hour shows. Oh, my goodness. I should be so lucky. And, and rest in peace, Curtis Hansen. He directed L.A. Confidential, Wonder Boys, and Eight Mile. Mm, yes. Uh, he died of a heart attack. He was 71 years old. So the number one song on the Billboard Hot 100 this week, once again, Closer from the Chainsmokers and Halsey. The number one album on the Billboard 200, They Don't Know from Jason Aldean. The number one song on iTunes, Closer from the Chainsmokers and Halsey. The number one album on iTunes, The Divine Feminine. I think that's how you pronounce it, right? Or could it be The Divine Feminine? I I think The Divine Feminine sounds better from Mac Miller representing Pittsburgh, PA. And the number one song on Spotify, Closer from the Chainsmokers and Halsey. We are going to take a break, and when we come back, it is time for me and Lyle's Music Picks of the Week. Trying to get control, pressure's taking its toll, stuck in the middle zone, I just want you alone. My casting game is strong, way too real to be wrong, caught up in your show, yeah, at least now I know. It wasn't love, it wasn't love, it was a perfect illusion, mistaken for love. It wasn't love, it was a perfect illusion. Hey everybody, Jim Shear and Lyle Presler on The Week in Music. That was a little taste of Lady Gaga's latest single, Perfect Illusion, and she might be performing that at the Super Bowl. Ooh. If she doesn't say no like Adele did, but she was never asked. <laughs> she, she, just, she just said no. Okay. Uh, so time now for our music picks of the week. So uh, this was actually tough because I liked a handful of the releases of the past week. Mm-hmm. Which one? Which one? I liked uh, Bastille's new release. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of their songs sound the same, but I'm okay with that. Who else? Wait, hold on. I got to pull this up here. Uh, did you ever hear of Bad Sons? Yeah. I think they put out their sophomore album. I really like that. Dawes put out a new album. I always want to hate Dawes, but I always end up liking three or four songs off their album. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a group called Papa that put out an album, and there's one song that sounds like they ripped off The Clash, but for whatever reason, I'm, o- I'm okay with it. But my music pick of the week is Jealous from Aluna George. Mm. You've heard them on pop radio, and yeah, every time they come on, I'm like, yeah, you know, I think I'm an Aluna George fan. So they put out their sophomore album this week called I Remember, and if you play this song... 20 times a day, it could become a hit on pop radio. So let's listen to it. Jealous from Aluna George. Don't act like you're jealous when you're not. Cause I'm caught between. Knowing you could careless and I can't let go, you see. It's clear that I'm just your distraction. I make my bed, but don't act like you're jealous when you're not. We had a big down. You just can't help yourself. Oh, don't act like you're jealous, cause you're not 
know. Yeah. It's not going to be number one, like, closer from Chainsmokers and Halsey, but I, I could see it maybe popping up at number 50 on the Billboard Hot 100. Well, you know, it's interesting about stuff like that kind of pop music. It's it's the often the first time you hear it, you're sort of like, yeah, all right. I mean that was my re- that was <laughs> right. that was my reaction when I first heard it. I was like, yeah, that's okay. And then I went back, you know, twelve hours later and listened to it again, and I was like, ah, oh, I could see this. I could see yeah, this see, working. Right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So yeah, play it a hundred times, it'll it'll become a hit. So what's your uh, music pick of the week? Well, I went with Kim Gordon from Sonic Youth. Uh, she yeah. has released her first song ever under her own name, and mm-hmm. the song is called Murdered Out. Murdered Out. Shall we? Shall we play it? Murdered Out from Kim Gordon.
Jim. Yeah, I mean, see, kind of what you'd expect. I mean, I was interested because I was thinking, what if she turns out to be a chanteuse? You know what I mean? Like, Wait. you know what I mean? Like, what if she went in a completely different place than than her old band? But of course, that's not what she does. I mean, she's. I'm not saying it's Sonic Youth, but it's in the same kind of idea. Yeah. Um. What I found, and I, and I don't even know, like, I'll be perfectly honest, I don't even know if I like it that much, but I found it interesting because... No, yeah, I like it. It has an industrial vibe to it. Yeah, it definitely has an industrial vibe, and... Um, and the and the other the other thing that was interesting in it is two things. First of all, is the term "murdered out." Now mm-hmm. I don't know how many people out there know what she's talking about, but there has been a a sort of trend in the car the custom car world to take cars, nice cars, and paint them flat black, black out mm. all the badging on the cars. You know the insignia. Mm-hmm. Ba- black out. Every part, no chrome, just tinted windows, like like murdered out. Now, no one seems to know the origin of the term murdered. Like somebody thought it might refer to a murder of crows, uh, you know, who mm-hmm. knows? And, but this is this has been a thing. It's actually been a thing since about two thousand eight. But only now are people really finding out about it in the more mainstream world. And I thought about it because there's a Maserati that I see around town. That's murdered out, and and I was like looking at it, going, "Well, that's an interesting choice. You took, you know, a seventy-five thousand dollar car or eighty thousand dollars, whatever it is, and you took it somewhere, and you said, all right, strip the fucking paint, and let's paint this motherfucker black, and let's not just stop there. Let's paint everything black.' And uh-huh. I've seen this car, and I didn't know the term. I mean, I just figured it was just, I don't know, I didn't call it anything. I was like, look at that flat black car." Um, uh-huh. And it sort of has, you know, kind of a road warrior kind of feel to it, I guess, in a way. So anyway, that's, so now you all know murdered out. So when you see a car, and the way to use it is, man, that car is murdered out. That's the way okay. you use it. And you can add a bro at the end of it or whatever you want to do. And you can also say someone comes in is wearing all black. You don't say goth anymore. You go, man, you're murdered out. Like, Okay. So that's okay. That's, wow. That's the first thing. The other thing is just very quickly. You know, everyone should try to get a copy and read her book, "Girl in a Band." Um, it's a really, really interesting insight, not only into Sonic Youth and and not only into bands in general, but also what it's sort of like to be the woman in a band. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I recommend it highly. It's a really good book. See, when you said that that was your music pick of the week. It got me really interested because there are some Sonic Youth songs that I love mm-hmm. and there are some that I completely hate. Oh, me too. So I thought, oh, okay, so is Kim responsible for the poppier ones or is she responsible for the no- noisier ones? And after listening to that, I think maybe I'm more of a fan of Kim than Thurston. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, I never really knew the dynamic of that band and, and I had really, much like you, kind of a, a love hate relationship with the band because the song 100 uh-huh. percent. if they made another 10 songs like that they'd be in the same league as nirvana i i agree i agree and 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 it's interesting to me too because i i also like i can remember at one point being in a record company office where i worked and they released something and i was like oh god you know out loud i said oh god i mean another sonic youth thing and this woman, who should have known better, said to me, if it weren't for Sonic Youth, your band never would have existed. And I was like, excuse me, 
my band had been broken up for four years before I heard Sonic Youth. So <laughs> let's just get something straight here. I mean, chron- chronologically speaking. I also remember the first time I ever met Thurston was at a Meat Men concert in New York City where I walked into the dressing room and he was just standing by the, 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 the case of beer, just drinking beer one after another, not saying anything to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and finally somebody said I said who's that guy over there that tall guy and they're like that's Thurston Moore and I was like great <laughs> you know only in New yep. York man he always said something that stuck with me he said uh, he was in a band that sold more t-shirts than albums that's interesting yeah and I said yeah you probably got that right and wasn't there a band in England called The Farm The Farm The Farm F-A-R-M and appa- I don't know. And apparently, it was like one of those bands from the '90s, I guess, or maybe the late '80s. And they were, you know, they were moderately successful in England. But the thing was, they sold like so many T-shirts. It was just people would just <laughs> wear it, like they had no idea of the band, but they it said the farm, mm-hmm. so they'd wear it. Right. That's great marketing, man. Yeah. Yes, it is it's something we should think about. <laughs> we should. Like, if you had a really good image and a really good band name. Could it sell a lot of T-shirts regardless if you even make music? Well, if you didn't, that would be the trick, man. What if you didn't make any music at all? Mm-hmm. That would be interesting. And like, have you heard them? It'd be like that Jimmy Kimmel segment. Oh, yeah, man, they're amazing. Oh, yeah, no. It, awesome. Yeah, no, it would be one of those things where it could catch its own fire without ever, yeah. you know. <laughs> no one would be willing to admit. It's like the Emperor's New Clothes. No one would be willing to admit yep. that they, they they hadn't heard it or had no right. idea what it was. It's funny because over the years, I've gotten so many free T-shirts. And, and, and I'll sort of, someone will bring them to me and I'll kind of like go, well, I won't wear that one because it says fuck on it or something but you know but i'll look at something and i'll go like yeah i could wear that it looks good nice graphics and so i'll go out wearing the shirt and someone will say oh man what's that all about and i'm like i have no idea i've been wearing <laughs> i've been wearing a, a, a shirt called sea wolves or sea wolf sea wolf i assume it was uh-huh. a band it's black and it has a really cool logo of a wolf on it and I have uh-huh. no idea. I mean, if you're out there listening, please send me music or something. I mean, this has been years now. But I've been wearing this shirt for years. And people always commented on it. I have no I'm just going to start making up a story. Oh, yeah. you. They were from yeah. Sheffield and, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah, it's funny you say that because I have a shirt that says Gilder's Master Broccoli. And it's, it's this cartoon piece of broccoli flexing. Right. And I don't know what it means, and I'm hoping it doesn't offend anyone. Well, that's the thing. That's the other problem. You want to make sure that you're not wearing something where people are going to like go, Whoa. Yeah, someone comes up to me like, do you know what that represents? <laughs> I'm like, no, I, I thought it was a piece of broccoli. You don't wear it in China because you have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. So yeah, be careful. Uh, when we come back, we're going to take one more break. When we come back, we are going to play Ask Lyle. Yes, back on the week in music. 
Lyle is in his leather chair that reclines. It, it looks similar to the one in The Voice. And when I ask Lyle a question, he hits his little buzzer and then he, he turns around. It's a silent so, buzzer. <laughs> yeah. Time to play Ask Lyle. Ask Lyle. Uh, just one question today. Although we, we get very serious on Ask Lyle. Okay. At least we have in the last few weeks. I, I'm not going to ask you about any police shootings. I, I'm just, I can't believe that they're still happening. Yeah. And I say that every, I'm like, are you serious? No, I mean that. That actually, for a second, yeah, I was thinking exactly the same thing yesterday when I unfortunately read about the Utah incident, and 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 I don't, I don't know. Nobody. The problem with all these things is like, in the absence of really dead bolt evidence, it's very difficult to piece together what actually happens in these situations. But I had the same reaction as you. It's like, I can't believe this is still happening. Are these, have, does people, does no one read anything or hear anything? Like, if you're in that situation, don't you think, like, I'm not going to be that person. I'm not going to be that cop who shoots this guy. I'm going to figure I, out a way not to do that. See, my suburban white person DNA kicks in and I said, okay, well, maybe, you know, they were running and it, they pulled something out of their pocket that looked like a gun. Right. But then when you see the video, are you kidding me? Yeah. I, like, I, I don't get it. Well, and the other thing about that was that what I thought was one of the most, and it's obviously going to come up, but one of the most interesting thing was they said, well, she fired her revolver at the same time her partner fired a taser at the same moment. So what the hell was going on there? I mean, you're talking about these are partners. Supposedly, they have like some understanding between each other as to what's going to happen in a situation. It's like, I, I, again, it just leads me to believe that we have a we have, and I respect the police. I I, I do, and, and as do I, and they, as do I, and I have had many many good encounters with the police, and and far more than any even slightly negative encounters. But and but I demand demand that they be professionals and i'm afraid what we're dealing with in a lot of these places are people who have no business being cops not because they're bad people but because they're not trained properly and they don't know what they're doing or or this whole business of saying well in a stressful situation that's what they do it but putting on the it's uniform a, it's, a, it's, it's a, a high stress job yeah, putting on a uniform and walking out the door every morning that's stress that's stress i wouldn't want i mean but the theory is is that they perform their best under stress mm -hmm. so i mean you so i'm at, at pains to explain how in the world we have so many of these people going out there and again if if we're dealing with an armed situation or a situation where people are being held hostage or whatever then i get it but otherwise i don't get it i don't i just don't i don't know what's happening yeah, I was. I spent the whole week just pounding my desk reading Colin Kaepernick memes. <laughs> right. When they arrested the bomber, there was a meme that said, "You're welcome, Colin Kaepernick." Yeah, I said, "What are you talking about?" Oh, just, just, yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. Apples and oranges. So, yeah. all right, yeah. we we could start a whole other podcast on having social issues and we it's, we we. we we could, but that would open we, us up. It, but that would open us up to the same memes that you're talking about. Yeah, I'm not sure I really want so, that. Yeah, I don't. I w I wish I had an answer. So maybe I'll I'll write something this week and post it and try to agitate some people on Facebook. There you go. But I'm not going to do a mic drop on Facebook. I'm gonna like let's talk about it. So this isn't a one and done. I'm gonna post something and then you post something back if you don't agree with me. So uh, anyway. 
my question and ask Lyle. Just one question today, Lyle. Uh, did you catch Jimmy Fallon's Donald Trump interview? If so, what did you think of it? I, I did watch it. I didn't see it when it happened. I didn't watch it in linear fashion. Um, uh, and and I'm assuming you're you're referring to the fact that he made absolutely no attempt to to follow up on anything, to push Trump at all on any issues, and then he got into that whole hair tussling thing, right? Is that what you're referring to? It was to? like a, yeah, yeah. like a, a kid from ninth grade AV class interviewing Donald Trump. Well, I mean, I hate to say this, but Jimmy Fallon is a kid from ninth grade AV class. <laughs> and and I think that it's it's really... With a great writing team and The Roots as his backing well, band. Well, now, now, didn't The Roots play... Play a song that was. I think so. It played like twenty foot wall or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I mean, there was. That, I'm, I I bet you there ain't ten people in the world who caught that, but someone caught it after the fact and talked about it. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, you're right. He has a writing team. Uh, whether or not he listens to them, um, but I think the problem there. Well, there's two issues for me anyway, and the first is, and th- this goes to something we've talked about before. It's like, what do you expect? I mean, honestly, what do you expect? Now, everyone says, well, Letterman would have. Well, yeah, but you're talking about a one in a million, a one in a billion in Letterman, mm-hmm. right? This guy was... Yeah, if you look if you look at Jimmy Fallon's body of work, you couldn't expect much no. for his interview with Trump. No, you couldn't expect much. You had no right to expect much. I mean, so I think the uproar over it is a little bit silly. And I think Fallon himself said, look, I'm never hard on my guests. Now, I don't hard on your guests is like that's sort of a cop out, really. And But, but the, mm-hmm. the bottom line is he's not Letterman. He's not able to sort of engage and push a little bit and then, you know, mm-hmm. and then still turn it into something that's fun. Mm-hmm. OK, that's the first thing. The second thing is NBC. OK, <laughs> need I say any more? And I'm yeah. not singling them out, by the way. I mean, I'm talking about all these networks. They don't want to be, they want to be in the business of garnering as much interest as they possibly can. Now, and Jimmy Fallon would, I mean, honestly would like, he would walk over his mother on the show if it got laughs. I mean, this is, this is what they do. And, and, and NBC would back that thing completely. In fact, I think that if Jimmy did something I'm calling him Jimmy. If Jimmy did something, like if he if he pushed it and caused an un, an awkward moment, I think they they would have gotten on him. Because let's hmm. remember something else: Jimmy Fallon, as popular as he is, is not Letterman. Letterman could go to the executives and go, "Fuck you! Mm-hmm. I do what I want when I want. As long as I'm on the air, you got nothing to say to me." Okay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Jimmy Fallon's not in that position. He, he's, he's not earned that, you know? He can't... So even if he wanted to do something, I don't think the powers that be would tolerate it, okay? And what they did, if you notice, they did sort of a makeup, right? So when Hillary was on, they kind of, like, tried to, like, eh, you know, okay, she brought a bag of softballs to give to him, like, hey, Jimmy, your softball, your softball questions. And he kind of mm-hmm. made fun of her, and it kind of all... Like, they tried to, you know, kind of, uh, we're going to smooth this over... The truth is, they don't want any of that. They they don't want someone to be critical. They just want mm-hmm. they want a show. They want a show, and and that's it. 
Well, it's all about the internet piecemeal. Mm-hmm. And if you noticed, you can't watch the full interview online. You can only get it in pieces. Right. Like Trump talks about cheeseburger. That's interesting. Jimmy that you messes say that. up his hair. So no, I wanted to see the. I don't know how long it was. Maybe nine or ten minute interview. But you can only get it in two minute chunks. Oh, uh, here's a minute. Here's another two minutes. Here's three minutes. Yeah, exactly, so. exactly. So that's interesting too. And 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 honestly, if you compare Fallon to Colbert, Colbert basically did a segment where he called Donald Trump a liar over and over and over again. I mean, called him mm-hmm. a flat out liar. And, mm-hmm. and they did it cleverly, but he but he just kept basically repeating it. <clears throat> and so, but again, there's different levels of expectation. These are different networks. There's different understanding of what we're doing. And I mean, Fallon, you know, the thing that bothers me the most about him is the theatrical laughing, which is yeah. so over the top and so ridiculous that it makes him right. it makes him just look like he's deranged or or he's just it's all fake. It's a crutch. Mm. So. It's a transition for him. So whenever he has nothing to say, he just slaps his knee. <laughs> yeah, he goes, Whoa, leans back in his chair and says, Wah. See, the part that scares me and why we bonded early on, Lyle, is because over the last handful of years, everyone gushes about Jimmy Fallon. And I said, yeah, yeah. isn't it great? Isn't it? I'm like, eh, eh, eh. And then one day you said something. You're like, I can't stand it. And I said, really? <laughs> There's another person who can't stand it either? So when he interviewed Trump, I said to myself, is this going to be another Bill Clinton moment when he talks about underwear on MTV or plays the saxophone and that gets him elected? Right. So is Jimmy Fallon indirectly going to get him elected? And then what if he sets off a bomb and ruins the world? Right. Like, is Jimmy right. Fallon responsible yeah, for no, the end of the that's world? That's an interesting point. And, and, but, you know, increasingly what people are saying is, why are you giving this man $20 billion worth of free television? I mean, and that's what it's become. It's like... The networks know that he's money, right? So mm-hmm. they don't, they don't, he doesn't have to advertise. I mean, he doesn't yeah. have to do political commercials because he is a walking political well, even, commercial. Yeah, even the lefties tweeting about him. Right. I said, well, you're giving him free publicity. What are you doing? Oh, I mean, listen, you know, um, I, I remember my father used to rail against this even back in the, you know, the 70s. It's like there would be these shows like Phil Donahue and stuff. And he'd say, why are why is this man giving a platform to these crazy people who represent maybe one percent of our population? Mm-hmm. And get, but making it appear to America that this is something that's really happening. And he would, you know, mm-hmm. and my father used the example, you know, left-handed women who were men who killed their children, you know? It's like, how many of these people are we talking about? And here's a man putting them <laughs> on the television set. And he used to mm-hmm. say, I mean, not that he ever watched anything, but he knew about it. He would just say, like, this is, this is not what we should be doing. We shouldn't be engaged mm-hmm. in this. And now, unfortunately, we do have a situation where, you know, we have a, a, a legitimately nominated candidate. So he deserves and he will receive a certain amount of, you know, coverage. But mm-hmm. but I I think be honest with you, I think my policy if I were running the Tonight Show or Colbert or Kimmel would be we are not putting political candidates on TV. Any of them. Mm-hmm. Now we'll put politicians on if they're not on for that reason. In other words, mm-hmm. if they're not running for anything, if they're just like, you know, coming on because they play saxophone, you know, right. that's one thing. But <laughs> we're not going to put presidential candidates or people running for the Senate or the Congress on TV, on our shows. First of all, this is an entertainment show, 
and not mm-hmm. a political show. So I think that there ought to be the separation of church and state when it comes to that. But but then again, like I say, the man is gold. Yeah. The, the first presidential debate, if it actually happens, is going to be the most watched debate since Kennedy-Nixon. There's no question well, maybe about that. Not, well, maybe not because it happens on a Monday when there's Monday Night Football. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what... So the audience might be divided. That's what Trump will say, right? You know. Yeah. Because yeah. I think it happens on Monday, this Monday. That's right. Is the, the first debate. Whew! All right. Yeah, th- this Ask Lyle segment has has just turned into a, us, you know, ranting about this crazy country. Well, unfortunately... Hopefully we could come up... Yeah, I mean, yeah, hopefully more people would listen. We could come up with some answers. Well, it would be great to come with some answers. I, I, think that, I think that the most important thing, ultimately, is that whoever wins, okay? And, and when I say win, and remember, we're not just talking about the president. We're talking about the Congress. We're talking about governors. We're talking about all sorts of things, right? Whoever wins, can we just go back to what we used to do, which is go, all right, my guy didn't win. My gal didn't win. That's okay. I, I'm upset with that, but I'm, we're going to go back to the, the board and we're going to start playing again, right? You know? Yes. I mean, that's the most important thing at this point. And, and there's, there's enough people out there who, who are even on the Democratic or liberal side who don't feel that good about Hillary Clinton. There are certainly Republicans who don't feel very good about Donald Trump. Um, Mm -hmm. and, 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 but the important thing, and I'm, I'm fearful of this is that whoever wins, the other side's just going to go, well, then we're not doing anything. We're not playing, Mm -hmm. taking our ball we're going home. And, Mm -hmm. and that's the worst thing that can happen because that's what's been going on for eight years. And we can't have another eight years of that Mm -hmm. because we will destroy, we, we, we always think that we're so strong. We can't be destroyed. We can be destroyed, but the only way we can be destroyed is if we destroy ourselves. No one out there is going to destroy us. Mm-hmm. But we can destroy ourselves, and, and that's the most significant part of, of what's going to happen in the next six months is whether or not people can say, all right, we didn't win, I'm upset by this, but we are going to, we're going to make this work. And, and not everything's going to work, obviously. I mean, there's going to be deep divisions, but if it turns into this sort of, well, now we've got two sides pitted against each other for eternity, then we might as well just split the country up, you know, mm-hmm. which I might be in favor of anyway, but... Um, and as long as I get to pick and choose my, my, my pieces, I'll take this, I'll take this, you can have that, you can take this. <laughs> then there'd be forced, my, you know, or forced or unforced migration, you know? You'd have mm-hmm. all these people from Austin, Texas moving to Connecticut, you know? Yeah. Like, well, Texas is gone, forget Texas, we have to move, <laughs> we have to leave. As crazy as, crazy as it sounds... Who knows? A hundred years from now, it may happen. Oh, there's no guarantees, and we 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 yeah. we labor because we're such a young country. We labor under this you know this idea that uh, oh well, we, of course. I mean, we fought a war, and we're you know it's in we're we're, we're united, and and well, ask Europe about that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. ask them. I say uh, Lyle Presler for governor of New Jersey. Oh, what boy. do you think? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, I think at this point. My cat could run for governor of New Jersey and be elected. Okay. <laughs> I, I could be your head of podcast. There you go. Yeah, so think about it. I will. Uh, that's going to do it uh, for this week's episode. For Lyle Presler, my name is Jim Shear, and we will see Yens later. So long, farewell, I'll be the same tonight. Oh, ladies and gentlemen has just left the building.